0: Hi everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of shut the fuck up. We are not done talking yet. Today is June 5th. Hey Danielle.
1: Hey Sharla. Happy June 5th to you.
0: Happy June 5th. Um, yeah, it's kind of been crazy lately. seems like every time we get together to talk, there's some new horrific thing going on out in the world. And, uh, yeah. Indeed. It's hard to keep up. But today, well, we're going to take a break from all the chaos and talk to a poet named Laura Hansen. Hello, Laura.
2: Hello. Hello from Minnesota.
0: She's calling us from Minnesota. Minnesota. (laughs) Laura and I met, let's see, last spring, last March in Santa Fe we were at the madeline island school of the arts Arts in santa fe because in the winter you don't want to go to madison madeline island
2: which is in the winter because the ferry doesn't run over the ice so they close her down that's why they're (laughs) in santa fe in the winter
0: (laughs) so have, have you been to madeline island itself
2: yes um I went uh, to the Madeline Island School of the Arts. Oh, you're going to ask me a date. We don't know the date. Probably like 2011 or so. Um, uh-huh. And the actual school is in the middle of the island. It's a tiny island. Um, and it's on an old farmstead. And the most of the people up on Madeline Island um, take the ferry across, but they don't use their cars. Or they just go across and ride bikes or scooters when they're there. Um, so, it's a really unique environment, and the school itself was charming, and the grounds it was on was, to me, for some reason, I just connected. It was mystical. I, just, I went there with a new journal and a new pen, and three days into my week, I'd run out of ink. So, um, wow. that was really an intense, wonderful time. It was wow.
1: beautiful. Laura, is this in Minnesota?
2: madeline island is considered to be in wisconsin so okay. you go to bayfield wisconsin and in, in northern wisconsin and then you take a ferry across and madeline island is one of the apostle islands up in um i'm just gonna area. look
1: that up one day because that yeah. sounds interesting
2: yeah yeah. yeah it's a beautiful facility um and uh they they run Quilting workshops, painting workshops, photo workshops. Every once in a while, they slip in some memoir writing and writing workshops. And um, the one I actually was going to go to was canceled. Um, for I don't think they had enough attendees or something. With Catherine Kaiser, who's a St. Paul poet, and um, uh, so what happened was I already had a grant, and I called the granting organization, said, "What do I do?" <laughs> you know what I was given the grant for isn't there. And so we worked out a direct contract with Katherine Kaiser and I begged Mal and I own the School of the Arts to let me be part of that uh, on-premises even though up till then you had to be in a class to be staying and residing at the school. So I was, now they do have some uh, uh, residencies that you can do. So I, I feel like I was Kind of a forerunner that pushed for that because it's a wonderful place to do that so i had my week one on one instead oh, of in a group yes. yeah oh. and that that was the development of uh, uh one of my manuscripts oh gosh which one did that turn out to be that turned out to be midnight river it was my first full-length collection i had done three self-published chapbooks before that um and so it turned out that that's what i was working on with her one-on-one was actually putting together manuscript um, sadly, when I got back, it took me uh, two years to get back to what we had created and send it out. Um, I got sucked right back into life and work. I was running a bookstore at the time, 60 hours a week minimum, 24-7 basically. So um, I had a friend that pushed me later on said, you know, there's this contest and the organization is hosting the national convention in Minnesota this year. We need us Minnesotan to win. You submit something <laughs> like it was my personal <laughs> job to represent the organization. But, um, and she kept pushing me. Um, and I did, I got it sent in at the nick of time procrastinator than I am. And, uh, sometime later I was in my basement and we had this old phone down there that, that, it made clicking sounds, so it sounded like a rotary phone, but it was like the first phone after a rotary phone, um, and this wasn't that long ago. It just happens to still be plugged in down there, so when I picked up the phone, the phone was ringing. I couldn't understand this woman that was calling me, and um, I was asked several times what she wa- who she was, what she was trying to sell, and um, I was about ready to hang up and just say, we don't want any, and <laughs> something got through to me that said, Stevens, Stevens. And that's the the prize I submitted for was the Stevens Prize, and I said, "Are you calling about the Stevens Prize?" And she said, "Yes, I'm trying to tell you that you won." Um, oh. And so they published that book and did a cash prize, um, and that's how Midnight River finally found its place in the world. So it was oh
0: wow, was that's a, a, a long story, story but a fun
2: one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that great. sounds
0: like people who win the Nobel Prize and they go, Are you kidding? or you know, who is this person? You just won't be out.
2: Um one of our friends that grew down grew up down the street from us, um, that played with my brothers all the time, won the New York uh the Nobel Prize uh, a couple of years ago in medicine. Um so what a what a good street okay. we are on here. Yeah. I, I want to be from so. your street.
1: That's cool.
2: Yeah, Brian Kibelka. we were so proud of him and everybody's like, "Whoa, he's from Little Falls. Nothing ever happens in Little Falls." So, it was exciting. Wow.
0: Yeah, that, that is yeah. exciting. Was it what was it? I'm for? not comparing the
2: Stevens Prize to the Nobel Prize though. So. Well, no, you I really did as Well, actually. we like it.
1: Go for it. <laughs> You, uh, we're, we're all exciting. about empowering you should empower yourself on our show right there go, you go. like just talk it up we're very hold, proud of you
2: hold ourselves up yeah
1: absolutely well that is so. that is really
0: cool now so um yeah you know one thing I wanted to ask you about was your experience running a bookstore that was really interesting to hear about
2: yeah you know it's it's kind of funny because I really everybody my teachers in high school thought I would be an English major and when I went off to college, I was just so shy and such an introvert still am um, that I just couldn't see myself. The only thing I could think of to do with it was to teach. And I thought, I can't teach. I can't even talk to people. How's that gonna work? So um for some reason I did something practical and I took a business degree and a Spanish degree. Um, don't speak me in Spanish. I don't use it much anymore. Um, so I went in, you know, to this business career. Um, and then when I was ready to leave the corporate world, um, that's when I came back to the idea of a bookstore. My father was ill at the time, so I decided to come back to my hometown, uh, to support him and to do that here. And I had the store for just over 20 years. Um, it is mission work. It's like being a missionary. You're, you're there to spread the word about books and love books and, uh, really, best part of it is the one-on-one experience with books and people. Getting, getting that book into the right person's hand and, and sharing that passion. You know, you can do it on the street and what, so forth, but it's, it's a really special relationship with your patrons. Um, and um, I enjoyed that part of it so much. I still had to have that business degree you know, it's still a business. So it, it utilized kind of this two sides of my split personality at that point in my life. And, um, and uh, it really, when I, when I did uh, end that portion of my life, the bookstore, it was a time when people were starting to come in with cell phones, you know, they didn't interact as much. You couldn't have that conversation with them. There were other things going on, obviously, in the economy and the state of affairs with indie bookstores, but um, there, it was a whole, a whole winding down. It was, it was very hard to give up. Very hard.
0: You know, our local bookstore that I patronize in Danville, California, called Rakestraw, it's been closed because of the pandemic and the shutdown. Right. Um, and the owner, Michael, let's see, I think his last name is Bernard. He, you know, he sends out a newsletter and so on. And he said the hardest thing about it is not having these conversations with people because he's yeah. so used to having people come in and ask what mm-hmm. to read, get a recommendation yeah. for their grandchildren. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, they, they, they were already set up to sell books online. And um, he's, he's been driving around dropping them <laughs> off for three hours on his way home. Yeah. And now the bookstore is open for um, curbside pickup. Right.
2: Yeah. And yeah, actually- it's um that relationship that those conversations um I have people that still come up to me, oh, what was it now, 30, 2013, 7 years later and ask me about books in, in the grocery store, out on the street <laughs> or wherever I am um and when I applied for the job at the library, um everybody's like, "Oh, that's perfect. You have to do that." And, um, so I still get a little bit of that, but it's in a really different context. So I'm always saying thank you to people as if they've just checked out and hand me cash. Uh, even though they're just checking out a library book, I say, (laughs) thank you. And they're like, okay, but, um, that's all right. No, no problem with thanking people. (laughs) So Laura,
1: what do you, what do you do now besides write poetry? Do you have, you said you had a day job?
2: Uh, Yes, I work at the, uh, uh, Great River Regional Library System. Oh which sorry, is a, you just it, said
1: that and I thought it was yeah, it's, I'm it's so a past thing. It's a
2: thirty two library system and I, I work at the Little Falls Carnegie branch. So uh, I work well, in an old, I think beautiful old Carnegie building. Or as they say an MPR Carnegie.
1: A fantastic. they do say right. Carnegie now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, oh, I think why that's a fan- that? fantastic because <laughs> I think that's how you say it in Irish. I, <laughs> something right? like that. I see. Okay, I think so we're saying
0: it wrong in the United
2: States, Carnegie.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Now, well, when did you start working at the library then?
2: I um, just over four years ago. Hmm. So well, yeah,
0: that does um. seem like a, a good place for a former bookseller to land.
2: <laughs> well, it's been it's been good. I mean, besides staying in touch with the books and. People that are interested in them, though we do check out these days more videos than books. That's a rant I won't go on. But um, I've also been able to continue to use my contacts from my book selling years um, to bring in um, authors for library events. And um, so I've part of part of what I do is is scheduling events as well um, for our branch. And um, it's just been very sad that we worked so hard on our summer programming to have to cancel all those programs. I just found out that Timothy Mason, who wrote the Darwin, Darwin Affair, um, he was going to be at our branch, and um, of course we had to cancel all the in-house events, and then he emails me and says, I was just selected for the Big Read, National Library Big Read program, and I'm like, oh, we would have had you first, so um, yeah, but oh, at least it, it gives me yeah. a way to stay in touch with that uh, that community a little bit, and that was really kind of instrumental in pulling together my, my writing life and my reading life is is being part of that community uh, of authors that I connected with through the bookstore. So, yeah.
0: You know, I wonder if you could do the, well, you know, like our local bookstore is mentioning, he's he's returned to doing author visits um, via Zoom.
2: Right. And, you know, and
0: having people sign up and, ah, uh, and i haven't gone to one yet but um i don't know maybe the library could do that if you had the
2: some some libraries are libraries word. are doing that and we we have that opportunity um i have to we've just gotten back into our building in the last few weeks uh 3 weeks maybe mm-hmm. um and we're still not doing um we're still trying to put together plans for adding in services as we're able uh so um it's been uh, We't been on top of that zoom as much as some of the others have. I have to check with headquarters and all that good stuff, so but it's something we 'll be looking at i'm This is my first full zoom meeting, so i i'll work into it and then we'll to oh, get get i'm trying to get, get that in a minute yeah i'm trying to get my book club interested, but some of them don't even have emails so yeah well, that's not know, happening
1: if they don't have email they don't have zoom <laughs>
2: you don't see them yeah. doing zoom then <laughs>
1: no no, no yeah. and then they
2: or they have to come to the library to use the computers and they can't get in the library so that they, they can't
1: mean. so forget just yeah just you're, yeah. you have to just revisit the concept of a book club much later <laughs> yeah. Laura. yeah you know it's, yeah.
0: it's funny my husband's book club was supposed to meet like march the 12th at our house um, And that was the exact day that he decided and we decided that we were going to go ahead and quarantine ourselves, even though it wasn't official yet. So he canceled that book club. And I said to him, well, why don't you guys meet by Zoom? And he said, oh, everybody's like way over 60. Again, I just don't think they're technically inclined enough. And I said, okay, fine. Well, then time passed and we've still been in shutdown. Mm. So they decided to give it a try. And so my husband was the host and he, he set up tutorials with each person separately in advance, tested oh, everything.
2: What dedication?
0: Yeah, because there's like gosh, I think there's like ten people maybe. It's a co ed uh. group. And then because he was the host and had picked out the book, um, I I was allowed as a spouse to attend. That's it's a special thing. You
2: can only oh, attend you're allowed
0: out if the person your spouse is the host so i read the book and sat in on it and um it was actually a pretty good discussion considering some of these people really didn't have a clue and didn't understand what was going on and you know there was a lot of interruption and everything but they decided to keep going you know and i think maybe with a zoom meeting they
2: take it more seriously sometimes uh one-on-one uh book club with friends just turns <laughs> into wine and crackers and, and, you know, who did and, what. And yes. So maybe on zoom, they, maybe they'll take it more serious. You know, it's I host, yeah. I hosted, uh, in 20 years with the bookstore, I hosted a contemporary fiction book club for 20 years. Uh, a good living cookbook club, we called it where they cooked once a month from a selected cookbook. Um, they'd buy one every three months um, and a coworker started a spirituality book club um, and this is in a town of like 8,000 people that we had these, over the time, four different book clubs going. One was a, a books and translation book club. So um, I counted up one time how many books we'd, I'd read um, and presented to them, and it, and it was in the hundreds. So it, it's it's overwhelming to think of. For every one you pick, there's a bunch that won't work as a book club book. I probably read 500 books, just trying to find book club books that I felt were, were good, discussable books. So.
1: I think that's well, amazing. I want to do that yeah. job, just read a lot and then ask people <laughs> to read them. And I don't know, yeah. that sounds really good to me. I have to reinvent myself immediately.
0: <laughs> what, well, that's a good question. What, what kind of book do you think makes a good book club good book?
2: Oh, wow. I wish I had the the exact quote in front of me and who it's quoted from. Um, But there's a a line that's uh, uh, a book should be the axe that breaks the frozen ice within us. Ah, something. Yes. You know that
0: one? I do know that. And it is um, (laughs) what's his name who wrote The Metamorphosis? Kafka. That's a Kafka quote.
2: Okay. (laughs) Anyway. That's I true. think clap clap. <laughs> I think that's a stunning uh, quote for what I look for. I look for something with emotional content, um, or I mean, it, but I want it to be good literature first. I want it to read well. I look for language, and a lot of people don't notice that when they're reading the books, or or they hate it because there's too much description. But I love language. Obviously, I'm a poet, um, so um i look i would look for a book that had some sort of tension um hopefully something contextually that that talked to the whole whole society in some particular topic perhaps um and then strong characters that you can sometimes it wasn't even a pleasant character but a strong character you know what i want uh when i read a really great book is to love the language uh to want to follow the story through to the end and sometimes I want my fists to clench. I, I want my fists to clench up because I'm so moved or upset or excited about what's going on in that story for that particular character. So,
1: so Laura, I have a question. As a um, Minnesota local, and Do you, mm. have you read um, Louise Erdrich's books? And have you met her? Because she's just a fave of
2: mine. Ah, um, I have not met Louise. Uh, we tried many times to get her because uh, little known fact, uh, she was actually born in Little Falls where get I am. Out. Um, she was only here about two days before she, they was, she was visiting the Erdrich side of the family here that lives here. And then um, her family was when she was born. And then after two days, they went home. So she wasn't here very long, <laughs> but technically Louise Erdrich was born in Little Falls. So um, but I have not met her. We were not able to get her at the bookstore. She was very um, difficult to, not a difficult person. She was, she was not doing a lot of appearances after the Michael thing, Michael Doris thing. So, um, and now, you know, she has her own bookstore.
1: I do know that.
2: First Books. So I do know that. Um, and so I, But it, yeah, I, I did never not, I have never met her, it, even at all the annual uh, bookseller events that we went to the- uh it was not someone I I did meet
1: Mm. well her story just because you mentioned it before about cutting into your heart Mm. those stories starting with you know the first one where you know the baby's in the car and then the man forgets to like he leaves the car running and then it drives into the sky I mean that Fantastical, you know, mythic. I just love those books, mm-hmm. and they're devastating. Like, there's not right. one happy thing about them. Yeah, you know. And um, I f- was his name Nana Put The one of the old men and his wife killed him by feeding him undercooked beans and so he had such a horrendous um, oh. belly problem, and he it killed him. Like, so, but it's like, how could someone think that up? That's yeah. Fascinating. Well, I could.
0: My husband accidentally tried to kill me by eating me, eating me undercooked beans two nights in a row. And then I looked at them and yeah, it's very deadly, but.
2: I, I once found out just how terribly.
0: And we're back. Well, after a little bit of a technical glitch, we've got Laura back and we want to make sure we do not run out of time on our podcast. So Laura, will you please read some, one of your poems, whatever you would like to share with us?
2: Okay, I will. Um, You know, I thought it'd be fun to go way, way back to my first chapbook um, and read openings. It's an opening into our discussion and into into my life as a published poet, even though I did it myself. Uh, One thing that you may not know if you're out in sunny California is... I'm on the Mississippi River here, which seems like a big, uh, heavy flowing river, but up here, it's not so big. Um, and it freezes over in the winter, uh, sometimes three, three feet th- thick. Wow. So when I say the river is open again in this, it means the ice is out. So, <laughs> all right, okay. here, we here we go, openings. This is called openings. The river is open now, and it is time for me to open to to revel in abstraction and forego planning, and to be irrational and unpredictable, sporadic and focused, to be as random as I damn well please, to listen, to see, to see again, these granite walls with their pink mortar, the peeling mottled boathouse, the last living trunk of the big willow tree reaching out over the water. It is all home to me, a salve for the eyes, I sit here and I cannot take in enough of it and a part of me leaves the couch where I sit and moves effortlessly as a sheer curtain in the wind, flowing, dipping, curving my way out over the water. A mere presence, a downy feather, ready at any moment to lift up on a gust of wind or to softly land like a breath long held and expelled onto the new blue water, my air my blood and I thought I could pair that because it ends with a breath long held Um, in my newest book the night journey um, Mm -hmm. the first poem is called breathing lessons Mm, please breathing lessons on the breath comes the voice comes the marble round vowel the stiletto sharp consonants on the breath Comes the first lie, the sour mouth long goodbye, the final green eyed betrayal. On the breath, on the lung warmed air, comes the smoke of last year's fire, of yesterday's chilly air. Um, there's another Minnesota ism in there um, when we say the sour mouth long goodbye. There's something up in these parts we call the Minnesota long goodbye. Um, and Garrison Keillor did a great piece on that one time in his monologues about how long it takes, uh, someone to leave a party or gathering in Minnesota after they (laughs) get up from the table, sit back down, get up from the table, move to the entry, hug and say goodbye, start another conversation, move outside, move outside and talk a little more, pat each other in the back, get in the car, start to back up, talk again, um, that's so,
1: hysterical. Uh, I know, I know. That, but I, that is very western.
2: Yeah, yes. when I moved to Pennsylvania, I thought people didn't like me. Because when I had them over, they said, oh, it's time to go and they'd leave. And I could never get them to stay a little longer or chat a little longer or stall on the porch. And I never knew what it was, except I felt that they didn't like me. And then one night I was listening to Prairie Home Companion and Garrison Keeler started uh, his thing about the Minnesota Long Goodbye, and I go, that's
0: what's missing. That's
2: what's missing. I don't know. What
0: is it, a covered dish or a hot dish? A hot oh, dish.
2: Hot dish. We don't do casseroles. We do hot dishes. A hot dish. Hot exactly. <laughs>
1: Minnesota is cool. My friends, I've only been once because I, um, my friend needed to get her car from New Jersey to St. Paul. She was a McAllister student uh, yeah start Calster college and so i drove with her and then i stayed with her for a week or two also the place where i saw the largest hailstones in my entire life they were so big when they fell on the cars outside i was like how come the cars aren't dented they are they were they enormous <laughs> I couldn't get over it so I had a really nice time but it was very it was summer it was very humid and uh, mm-hmm. all of that sticky and then the, of course we weren't up north but the mosquitoes are ridiculous so
2: yeah we it, we we tend to go from from uh, cold and and right into hot and sticky there's very yeah. few days when it's just that nice springy today's a dry day. It's nice. The breeze is lovely. But.
1: Okay. Well, it sounds so like those, it sounds like you're from a beautiful place and I love your, um, read your poems very much. Thank you for sharing. Those you. with us. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So
0: beautiful. Hey, will you describe to Danielle and to our listeners, um, where you live precisely? Like you live on the okay. river.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, so in Minnesota, if you were to take a dart and throw it at the state of Minnesota on the wall on your map, and you hit the exact center, um, geographic center, you'd pretty much hit Little Falls, Minnesota. Um, We are about 100 miles uh, west, northwest of the Twin Cities, Mm -hmm. um, and we're on the center of three um, different main highways. So uh, we're in a crossroads. We're on the Mississippi River. Little Falls is the, as they say, boyhood home of Charles Lindbergh. We have a a park here, Ellinberg Park. Um, and uh, one of our other historical figures was Chief Hole in the Day, and they always say Little Falls is protected from tornadoes by Chief Hole in the Day, who is supposedly buried up on the hill. There's a little bit of bluffs surrounding the town, but otherwise this is a very pretty flat part of Minnesota. Um, and uh, we have a nice little dam here. Uh, the Native Americans used to call it Kakabikans, but it's just little falls for us. That's you know, so I beautiful.
1: Guess. I just looked yeah. it up. So now I see the Charles Lindbergh House and Museum.
2: Uh, yep.
1: Right. And his, Which I'm from New them? Jersey, the county where they lived, right? The yeah. Lindbergh and his wife, Elizabeth right. Morrow, right? So that right. was my brother's museum. Anne Morrow, yeah. Anne Morrow. Anne right? Morrow, Lindbergh, yeah. But the, someone's Elizabeth, must have been her mother. Could be. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I just looked it up. So neat. Okay, cool. So I anyway, that's today. where we are.
0: And you have a view of the river from your house.
2: I have, um, I have three views from the, r- of the river from my house. I, I have a walkout basement, so that's kind of, kind of eye level. And then on the main floor is, um, looks down just a little bit down the yard into the, towards the river. And then, uh, an addition that was put on uh, in the sixties that's upstairs. And it, it's like a treehouse view of the river. So, um, uh, we had a lovely view uh, we've got ash trees and elm trees and willow trees and a recently planted river birch that we planted over one of the bunnies bookstore bunnies that passed so <laughs> we had bunnies at our bookstore <laughs> um, so it's a it is it's a lovely um, i everywhere i I lived if I couldn't get near water within about ten minutes, I would just feel uncomfortable and as much as I loved Santa and I will go back whenever I can scarf up a few bucks to go um, at some point I would have to return to water I yes would have to be near water I'm a water baby so yep. that's nice yeah so well, I you I, will
0: probably be surprised to hear that we speaking of water we had a thunderstorm recently lightning and thunder no hail and it was like a baby thunderstorm con- <laughs> compared to the Midwest
2: right thunderstorm But it was a little We used I used to, at the bookstore, have a lot of people buy CDs of just Minnesota thunderstorms and Minnesota loon calls and send them out to their family that lived on the West Coast that didn't ever hear of thunderstorms anymore. It's like, my Uh family misses thunderstorms. You got a CD like that? Yes, we do. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. You can Uh, just look it
1: up on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Nowadays. So, Danielle, I'm
0: sorry I interrupted you. What were you going to ask, Laura? Oh, well, I
1: just wanted to talk about current um, affairs because this past week, the last week and this week have been crazy all over our country. And so, as a, a resident of Minnesota, I just thought maybe we could ask you about it, um, about the um, murder yes. of of, Flo- of George Floyd and yes. um, and then the subsequent unrest.
2: Right. And to see that, even for me, it was seeing it on the TV, you know, we're, we're a hundred miles up and uh, um, it there, I don't, I never saw any protests or marchers here. Sometimes you'll see when there's a top issue or topic up, there'll be some people in Bank Square, but it really there wasn't any here. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, to see that um, down Lake Street, which is such a, Artery uh, of arts and eateries and ethnic opportunities it it was really um, first so hard to watch um, someone just sit on someone that long it, it was um, I think today I kind of read some poems about breath, and I have one that I wrote recently a, that uh, a couple of them go back to breath again, but um, that was a, it it it's just we're so sheltered up here Um, and generally it's such quiet life and and you always hear about Minnesota nice and um, and it really is that way but to see it's so poignantly and so un. um, there's no way to whitewash over the fact that there are parts of Minnesota that are just not what we think, you know, not as, and, and the rest of this, you can tell it's just hard to think of ourselves in a way that we don't think of ourselves. And, and, um, Right. And that there's people living in the midst of us that we're not seeing and not realizing how their lives are so different than our little ideal, you know, that we, Mm -hmm. that we think we're living. And, um, Uh,
1: Minneapolis is is like a a huge city with so many diverse people that recently Uh, elected people of color to national um, positions. Like, oh my gosh, like, let's get, you know, and then you see that. It's insane, insane.
2: Yeah, and every once in a while around here, you'll see someone drive by with their American flag or their Confederate flag on the back of, sticking out the back of the truck, and, and you just... You just, go ahead. So I, before we lost you there, I was being extremely inarticulate, unfortunately, in just saying the shock and dismay. Um, and, you know, it, it just rolls one onto the other. The the death, the, the manner of death, the uh, viewing, remembering to view everybody as an individual in an individual circumstance. And then... To roll that on to seeing the fires in, a, in that city, which is so beautiful. Um, if you've never been in Minneapolis, um, it is a system of parks and lakes all interconnected and interwoven through the urban areas and the edges of the suburbs um, uh, and the contrast. You know, poetry to me lives in, with, um, it gets a great deal of strength from juxtaposition. And this beautiful city and what we've seen happen there is is kind of the epitome of that juxtaposition mm. the pain and the beauty side by side.
1: Well, we yeah, really appreciated your, your breath poem reflecting that, um, the, I think it was kind of both of them. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. how that really brings it forward even more so, yeah. Yeah, you know,
0: Laura, um, Danielle and I are in a writing group that meets on Wednesdays and we start out with poem gets read and then we just pick a line and go from there mm-hmm. and, and do free writing. And um, our teacher used a poem this on Wednesday by a poet named Rosamond S. King. And I'll have to send it to you when we're done, but it had this line, you have the right to breathe and remain imagine that
2: Hmm. it is
0: this really beautiful poem um and she is a black african-american poet and i don't even know when this poem was written but you can't listen to it without thinking about um people saying i can't breathe i can't breathe right It's, it's very moving and, and a waste anyway. of
1: life, and a it's so obvious. But these, the ones, you know, course, similarly, the man in New York City several years back who was right. chokehold because he was selling, you know, CDs on the street or something, or cigarettes. He was selling right. cigarettes on the street. It's like, yeah. wow. So a lot of things have to change, and the whole incarceration sure. rate. It's like a, a machine. Get they the let kids. The whole
2: thing- him at conf-
1: 16 in crime, thrown in jail, circle, circle, oh. circle. Oh, my God.
2: And that the whole thing you know, can conflate from a $120 bill that may have been counterfeit. May have been, exactly. Yeah, is that? Yeah, I've never heard anybody say anything about confirmation of that being, you know, they, true or not, that it was or wasn't, and that this whole thing spirals out of control from that moment, that one phone call was... We have to I slow know. down. I, I have a friend that's, that's having trouble with concentration after a, a mm-hmm. mini stroke. And I, I always tell her, you have to stop when you have an idea to do something. You have to stop and breathe and give yourself 15 minutes before you make a decision. And boy, if we would stop and think a little more often, I know it's hard in those animated situations that, that they're in, but Wow.
0: Yes. Well, you know, I think one thing though that to me was so galling was that it didn't seem that animated. The police at that point it was
2: not. We don't really see. Yeah, what led things, up
0: to it? Yeah,
2: yeah, but truly.
0: Um. Yeah, that was just. It was hard. I'm really hopeful that some something good will happen now. After all this other horrible stuff has happened, you know, there. Have been a few situations recently where white policemen and white chiefs of police and sheriffs have gotten down on their knees with the black protesters and have embraced them and walked with them, and I'm like, that makes me hopeful.
2: You know, it's true. There's something good
0: will come out of it.
2: There's um, there's a variety of people and personalities in every profession, and certainly, uh, just as we don't judge every person of color by the actions of one. I don't think that uh, it's appropriate to necessarily judge uh, a law enforcement professional in the face of just one, but there are so many things happening. It just, it's yeah. very, very it hard to It just not keeps doing. happening. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, but I so, think we should, we should just pivot one more time before we let you go. And I had one question that popped into my brain earlier, and we were talking about bookstores. I was wondering what your favorite bookstore is that you've ever been in, besides your own, of course.
2: (laughs) Do you have a favorite bookstore? Oh, gosh. Um, I was in Powell's
0: Mm -hmm. uh, in Portland.
2: Portland. That was quite an experience. it was, it, it reminded me of uh, Carlos Savone's labyrinth of books in the
0: shadow <laughs> of the wind.
2: Um, and um, uh, I do like Majors and Quinn down in the cities. They do a wonderful job of merging new and used books and author events. Um, so, and they're, that's, that's a great bookstore down there. Um, but I like visiting lots of different independent bookstores because you can go across the country um, and go into a Barnes & Noble and a Barnes & Noble and they all look the same feel the same have basically the same collections and if you go in one independent bookstore after another you're astounded that they have the same ability to order books the same collections of books from different uh, places and yet unlike the scripted Uh, Mm -hmm. books available in the chains, every bookstore independent is influenced by its community, the needs and interests of its community, the needs and interests of its owners. Um, And so they all look completely different. You'd think, how do they pick these versus that, this Mm -hmm. versus that, when there's there's a limited amount of dollars, you really curate what's in the bookstore. Um, Yes. And I know I used to... uh, I used to stock the store to my community, um, to the to. Uh, but I also loved to throw in some little books that were unusual, that so that I had a man come through and he found a brand new book on the Great Hedge of India on my shelves, and he he <laughs> he wasn't from uh, in. I don't think he was even from Minnesota, but he was like. Why would I find this book here in this tiny little town in Minnesota, and I'm like, because I like to surprise people. <laughs> it's a joyful thing, you know, so yeah, but yeah the the independent bookstore experience is is um is uh that way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, that's so true. it's kind of it is it's like matchmaking and it's very it is very magical. And you can find independent bookstores in the most amazing places. And they have the best bookstores. You just can't believe it. Small yeah. towns all over the place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My girlfriend was visiting from the UK and was in um, not too far from here in a different neighborhood um, where I live in Oakland. And she got lost in a, in Walden Books. Walden Books has old and new, oh, yeah. used and Books. records. It has you know, LPs and then it has a special antique book section that you can only go into with permission upstairs. Look, it's locked. Ooh. But she went in there for hours. She's like, all right, whatever. I'll meet you later. She could not come out. She was fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a so good cool. bookstore. Yeah.
0: You know, they, Amazon has opened up book and mortar stores. And in fact, in our local town, Wallet Creek, California, um, the Barnes and Noble, which was pretty good, closed, and then just down the street, maybe six months later, Amazon opened up a bricks and mortar store, so I went in there to see what was going on, and, you know, they had Kindles and stuff for sale, but it was a very nice bookstore, and I asked the woman who worked there, how do you decide what books to put in this bookstore? She said, we put all the books that sell really well online to the zip codes around here. Mm -hmm. We have books by local office and Mm -hmm. we also have books all about the local area, you know, botany Mm -hmm. travel, as you can imagine, everything that was local. I thought that was very interesting. I mean, it actually did. It's all computer
2: generated. It's all computer generated. Yeah, that's true. All and right, so, right.
0: yeah, you're missing that personal right. element of the book. So it has, moved. yeah, like oh, every yeah. Dan
1: Koontz novel or whatever that guy's name is. I'm yeah. making that up. Dan Brown.
2: Dean Coons, like uh, Dan Brown. <laughs> Dan like, Brown, Dean
0: Yeah, you yeah. know, the, um, one of the things our local bookstore in Danville does that I mentioned before, Rakestra, once a year they have this thing they call the book festival. And um, I've been to it in person. They're going to do it on Zoom this year the owner, Michael, and his staff each get up and they present, I don't know, four or five books per person um, that they want to propose to you. Sure. And they, they're they their favorite books. And of yep. course, the they, they've stockpiled them. They're available. And if you buy them that night, you get 10% off and that kind of thing. But you know, I think the staff totally love it because it is their chance to share their favorite books
2: I'm hanging up.
1: <laughs> Sorry okay. about
2: that. That's okay.
1: Nobody ever calls my home phone. What the heck? You have to um, if you're having you're recording a podcast,
2: that's just normal. That's happened. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, it that's a valid point. What we used to do um, send out postcards if we saw a book coming out of interest to a certain person and we'd just send a postcard to them and say this is coming out, you might be interested in it. Um, oh. It sounds really oh. old fashioned, but people loved it. It was like mm-hmm. that you really are thinking of us. And I'm like, yes, I am. Uh, so. Right. Old <laughs> school
1: marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think we might just want to wrap this up, but it was delightful to talk with you, Laura. That was, I loved your um, poems very much and I look forward to seeing what else you write. And yeah. I'm going to get, I'm going to get a couple of your books and we will, um, we will feature you widely. I really like this. This is, where okay, I get to,
2: this is where I get to tell you the website, right? Yes. please. I was just going to ask you. <laughs> www.riverpoethanson.com. It's S-E-N. Or you can go to the same website on www.laurahansonbooks.com. Fabulous. Yes. All right we if you have time left continue. i have another poem for you oh gosh yes go ahead, ahead cut me off i've got i've got two left and and if i can't read them both we won't so this one is new it's called conflicting visions as i relax in the yard a dragonfly lands on my chest his slender body and glassy wings a study in stillness at this close resolve he poses a more inches, four inches from my chin. I take in the intricate lacework of his wings shimmering in the afternoon sun. His head, shiny as a polished bead, is all eye, Watchfulness, and suddenly reminds me of the riot police on today's news. The shiny black globe of their helmets, the hard plastic edge of the face shields, their steely stillness as they deploy in long phalanxes and the expectant waiting. I lift my camera to document this tiny helmeted warrior that has occupied my body and he is gone. Not so, the rigid lines of police and straggling stream of protesters who continue to stare each other down.
0: Oh, wow, I really like that. Talk about juxtaposition
2: yes yeah that's that's why i said i I find power in that excellent Um, and then this is a hopeful forward-looking poem also pretty brand new lingering after dusk i sense the world someone is mixing up a smoothie in the backyard they have muddled some mint and cilantro added fresh cut grass and buds and leaves they've thrown in a twist of willow bark And brightest of all, the pungent, oily zest of a lime. Out here in the dark backyard, the horizon is just a blur of peach. And all I know of this after-dusk world is what I take in with my four senses. The barest touch of a chill is like a silence in the air, an elderly woman's hand laid lightly across my arm. A taint of burnt sugar lingers on my tongue, from the rum that swirls in the glass like the last flare of sunset. I catch the squeak and tug of the dog's tie out as he explores the yard with his wriggling nose, the chatter of frogs, toads, and this, this heady scent of all that anxious green waiting to explode, the leaf, the lime, the bud, the world.
1: Thank you. Aww.
2: Beautiful. All right. We have hope.
1: Beautiful. We have
2: hope. Thank you.
1: Pleasure to meet you, Laura. Yes. It's been a wonderful chat. A few yes. cutouts, but we made it. That's okay. No problem.
0: Yeah. Thanks again, Laura. That was really fun and, and really great to reconnect.
2: Yes. We had a. Uh, Ah, little time chatting uh, in santa fe and i thought oh i wish i lived closer to this person we have so much uh so many things that we segued off of in our com- conversations so
0: yes we will have to c- get going on it again since we didn't yeah. get to see each other this march in santa fe so
2: we have to have a santa fe reunion or something it'd be great exactly
1: <laughs> okay all right, all right.
0: Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. That was the last episode of season three. So, Danielle and I are going to take a break. So, you have the opportunity to go listen to all of our previous podcasts. Have a great summer and we'll be back soon.